this week's episode of Film Rhapsody. Russell and I sit down with our Man in the Moon co-producer, Masood Vajahani, about his vision for optimistic sci-fi film productions. And then, we go full nerd over Star Trek. Well, Masood, welcome to Film Rhapsody. Hello. Thank you for having me, guys. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, I think uh, it's been um, something that Russell and I have been wanting to do for a little while is to actually bring you on and, and have a chat because earlier this year we collaborated on a film that I'm really, really proud of called The Man in the Moon. Yep, I and, loved it too. And <laughs> uh, yeah, and so we wanted to sort of pick your brains a bit, try and get a sense of, you know, there was a reason behind why we made that film the way we did and that was a lot of it because of your love for optimistic sci-fi yes. and it kind of set us some sort of boundaries on where we wanted to work with in regards to making a sci-fi short film um, it gave us like a, a, a scaffold of this is the direction we have to go in and you know there's lots of different ways of telling stories but it was an intriguing way for us to explore something we hadn't you know very directly explored before like we've worked on things that are optimistic, but to actually say we're making something that is considered to be optimistic sci-fi. Um, I think that's where it was an interesting experience. Um, so tell us a bit about like what is optimistic sci-fi? Sure, so I, I didn't actually come up with the term optimistic. It was mm. Gene Roddenberry yep. uh, who actually coined the term. Uh, so he set out Star Trek to be an inspiring um, world future yeah. where we've um, uh, eliminated poverty, uh, wars, um, and, and we're exploring the galaxy as, you know, one human family. Uh, so that appealed to me as a child. Yeah. Um, so just to give you a little bit of a history of where I come from and why Star Trek uh, appealed to me, and that's, that's basically the foundation of what I like about optimistic science fiction. Um, so... We have been uh, persecuted in Iran, so we are Baha'is. Uh, so we've lived through two civil wars. And as a child, I initially watched TV to escape that world, that, that um, um, I guess, uh, that difficult, you know, for a child, it's a lot to handle. Mm -hmm. um, even though we had close family and we looked after each other, um, you're still exposed to that. You know, the, the, dark, the dark side of life and things like that. So um, shows like Star Trek and uh, well, at the time it was Six Million Dollar Man. Mm, mm. Um, that kind of gave me an escape uh, into a world where, yeah, there's still a bit of action and adventure. But at the end of it, you know, um, people are helping each other. People are being compassionate and uh, helping each other. You know, that, that was the core thing that, um, uh, that attracted me those type of show and then as an adult when i um, kept watching star trek there was something substantially uh, very uh, profound in the core philosophy of it is that we are always advancing we are always uh, becoming better so when star trek came along there was this notion of uh, anti-hero so mm. you had to be a bad guy to be a good guy Mm. Um, I don't think I don't believe that. I think everybody is good. We just do bad. Yeah. <laughs> so this notion of the simplistic notion of good and bad, um, I think is a very outdated one. Mm. Um, 
Uh, that's why some of the um, shows these days are much more complex. And I think, and I think Star Trek was way ahead of its time to tackle social issues in a way that wasn't confronting at the time to the you know the powers that be. Yet it provided that so so it basically touched people's hearts in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, and that continued with the Next Generation and other shows like Babylon Five and. Lately now, there's the Orville that came along. So it's a similar concept. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I um, left my IT job and I wondered, okay, what am I going to do now? I decided to um, pursue my passion. So I wanted to tell story. I wanted to make films. So I got, thought to myself, what kind of films do I want to make? And I want to go, I want to make Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> I love films like Star Trek. So that, that evolved into, okay, what is Star Trek? Uh, so it's optimistic science fiction. So um, think it's a, uh, portraying a world that's better than now. So yeah. yeah, it's an interesting sort of uh, connection. And I think there's why there's synergy here because Russell's sort of writing journey started from Star Trek yeah. as well. Yeah. Back in the uh, 90s, I found out about this uh, open door policy they had for scripts. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I thought, okay, well, I'll take a stab at writing a Star Trek episode uh, for Voyager. Because oh. DS9, I think, was wrapping up around that time. Mm -hmm. But um, that's kind of where it started for me. What is the thing that has to be in a film to ensure that it is optimistic sci-fi? Like, what is, what, is there a criteria? So if I, I was to write a script about optimistic sci-fi, what is the things I need to ensure that will qualify it? Like, there's no barrier. Um, but if the tone of the show is optimistic, like... I'll give you an example. So you could come up with a story that says, planet Earth has died and humans are surviving. If you turn that around and you go, there are refugees that are coming from another planet that's, that's been destroyed and Earth is helping them, you're basically changing the tone from a negative aspect to a positive aspect. So it's something that's helping people, something that's improving. Like I said, this is only my point of view. Um, mm. I'm not necessarily right. Yep. So I'm discovering things uh, myself as well. So one of the things that I have at the moment is, is a um, writing contest. It's part of the SFC uh, Films initiative that I'm trying to encourage people to write uh, more often in So there's three criteria that I have. The first criteria is a good drama. So it's still, it's, it's still telling a story. It's got to have a good drama. Mm. Uh, is there science in it? So this is a core um, thing for it to be a science fiction and also optimistic science fiction. Is there science in the story? And uh, the third is, is it optimistic? So the, the, the third one is uh, what is optimistic, this other. Mm. So it, it needs to have an optimistic tone. So what are some Hollywood films that don't meet that criteria? What, what, what are things that um, our listeners could identify with and go, is it, you know, like, is, for example, is Star Wars optimistic sci-fi? Okay, that's a tough question for me to answer because I love Star Wars as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, generally, I mean, when it started, so the, the first Star Wars, which was actually the fourth in the story, yeah. in the story, yeah, um, was very much optimistic because the rebels achieved their outcome and you know they were building a new world mm. and things like that. Um, but they turned around and provided the same problem again and again over the story, which makes sense from a studio perspective because the it's the type of story that attracted people, so they're trying to replicate. 
but from a story perspective itself, it's not going anywhere. They're, they're continually fighting against an empire on an empire like. So we don't see the building of that optimistic world. So yeah. in the books, um, so there's an expanded universe of Star Wars that was done in the 90s. Mm-hmm. In the books, the, there's actually the New Republic, which they, they keep, so they still have challenges to overcome, but they keep building it up, building it up, and bringing more peace to more worlds and worlds and worlds. I thought that was very optimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, what they came up with with uh, Force Awakens, yeah, I thought they were going back yep. to the pessimism. Yeah, mm. is the same true for the Terminator films? Terminator film is a funny one. Um, yes, it, I think it was pessimistic because it was saying, "Oh, in the future." But it always sort of ends with a, a tinge of hope, I guess. Yeah, it does, uh, especially with the later ones. They, they change in time. But the initial one was saying the time is set. You mm-hmm. can't change it. So it was always pessimistic. With yeah. That. The artificial intelligence would always, you know, try and you know, eliminate human beings. So that was always the <laughs> concept of Terminator. But like in the second one, especially with the, um, uh, with the alternate ending, mm-hmm. it was very much optimistic. Yeah. Because I said, yep, we've changed the timeline. Um Cyanide is, uh, you know, destroyed, so human beings get to live without the fear of um, being destroyed. Does that kind of stuff make it difficult to enjoy for you? Not necessarily. I mean, these days I'm now forcing myself to watch pessimistic sci-fi or um, things that I normally don't watch, like horror and things like that, because as a filmmaker, I'm trying to learn. And I learn a lot from things that I don't like. But yeah, if if I'm trying to say, if I'm trying to go back to my childhood mindset and i go okay i just i just want something inspiring yep uh, my go-to things are things like star trek and Babylon five and orville so yep. those are those are the ones that give me hope so this this is the thing uh, i want hope and those shows give me hope can you think of any um shows or movies that on the surface would be pessimistic but ended up being very optimistic enemy mind that, i don't know if you remember that show um so um yeah let's look you don't want to watch it, so should we give it away? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, give it away, give it away. It's I mean, uh, Dennis Quaid, isn't it? Dennis and Lewis Gossett Jr. is yeah, Lewis Jr. So two, two soldiers. I, I think on we're seeing my age here. Yeah. I'm the younger. I'm the younger of you guys. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't. Not that old. <laughs> it was in the eighties. So yeah, it was, it was a fairly old. Eighty-four, eighty-five. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was when I was born. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's it's those two actors as two rival soldiers, yep. one alien, one human. They basically crash land on the planet and have to work together to survive. survive. Yeah. Okay. And then there's a twist. Which we won't yeah, say yeah. anything about. Yeah, we, we won't give it away. But basically, yeah. it turns uh, a typical like you know um, conflict story into a friendship story, yeah. which was utter brilliant. I think the way they did it. It's it's a very underestimated science fiction. I think. So in 2015, you started your own business, business called Unity Productions. Um, what's its goal? What's its mission? Well, I actually started Unity Productions to do uh, videography um, to make uh, basically to make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, so initially, that was the that was the goal, and then from the business, I was hoping to make enough money uh, to make my passion films, which are optimistic science fiction. Mm-hmm. I started that business in a town called Tomorrow, uh, which is a small town in New South Wales. And I actually had a studio and everything, so it was it was uh, it was going well for a while. But things didn't work out <laughs> the way I planned, which mm-hmm. things 
Yeah, which is <laughs> fairly normal for yeah, yeah. Apple, so I had to, our business. Mm-hmm. I had to move back to Canberra, um, mainly because of my mum, who was diagnosed with uh, dementia. Uh, so I had to come back and look after her. So I moved the business here as well. And while I was here, I knew that, like, because I knew you, Dan, so we've done some workshops here, and I knew. So I knew there was, a, like, a good, lively filmmaking community here in Canberra. Mm-hmm. So I thought, why don't I start making my films now? You know, why wait? You know, mm-hmm. just, if, you, if I don't do it now, what am I going to do it? Mm-hmm. So that's when I started doing my short films, and that's when we collaborated on The Man in the Moon. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. And I'm building this uh, facility, uh, Space Ring Civilization. Yeah. Uh, which I'm hoping to encourage others to join in as a community yeah. and we collaborate to make more optimistic sci-fi. Yeah, so tell us more about spacefaring civilization. Like, what is this project about? Like, uh, it's been growing a little bit here and there and it's becoming something that it has its own sort of vision. Yeah, yeah, so it, 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 you put it very well. Yeah. It, it does have its own vision and that's um, filmmakers helping each other mm. uh, to make optimistic science fiction. So at the moment, there's, uh, so it, like you said, it's slowly being building. So I'm putting the pieces together. One of the major pieces is the website, mm-hmm. uh, which has at the moment uh, my films and hopefully our films. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I'm asking a few other people to uh, put their films on, on that website. So it's a Netflix type of thing. So mm-hmm. It's a Netflix type of uh, streaming service mm-hmm. uh, where people can go and watch optimistic science fiction. So these are independent science fiction. Yep. Uh, so th- my vision for that is uh, it's going to be a central hub for optimistic sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And uh, soon there will be a forum there where um, filmmakers all around the world uh, can submit their films uh, to be included in, 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 that, in that website. Mm-hmm. Um, I do stress the fact that it's a non-profit, so it's, a, so it's not meant to be commercial. So I, I recommend people who do intend to use the films that they have for commercial purposes not to submit it to that. Mm. But if... If they want to contribute it as a learning experience, yeah. or uh, they've done a short film which has done the festival rounds, and now they just just got it on the YouTube channel or Vimeo, Vimeo channel, um, I, I, I I encourage them to submit it to uh, Space Ring Civilization. So on the website, you can easily basically uh, search on the titles, and it's um, separate by categories. And uh, when you click on the video uh, so for the details and whatnot, mm. the profiles of the, uh, the the actors and the directors will be shown as well. Okay. Uh, awesome. In the future, I'm going to expand it to producers and all the other cast and crew. Yep. Uh, so it's kind of a way of giving back as well. So, you know, yeah. things. So there's a YouTube channel, which I'm uh, uh, going to do tutorials. So I'm doing tutorials now. And uh, so I have a live stream every week. Uh, where I talk about different aspects of filmmaking, uh, and hopefully I'll have uh, I'll be interviewing um, other optimistic filmmakers uh, as well. Uh, so that's a more of a one-way thing, mm. and then we have the we've got the Facebook group. So that's a two-way thing. So where people can talk about their own projects, uh, mm. they ask for collaboration, or they collaborate, or uh, you know, inspiring articles and whatnot, uh, specifically on uh, optimistic science fiction. And because space and space exploration is a major inspiration to these uh, type of shows and films we also talk about space uh, sciences as well yeah uh, so rockets and, uh, and technology how have people been responding to the, the whole movement overall it's been good uh, but like Dan said it's been uh, growing slowly uh, so it's it's still early days yet but uh, the, I mean if you go to the group I mean you can see there's a core group that are 
you know, that are really excited about this and, mm-hmm. you know, posting things regularly and things like that. Um, and, I, and I've got a um, writing contest. So this is the second year I'm running the contest. I was surprised how many people actually submitted last year. I was expecting one or two people. Um, I think there were 16 in the end who submitted their scripts yeah. uh, for judging. So because I had so many, instead of just have one winner, I chose two winners. What's the end goal for the uh, contest? The writing contest is to get people started on writing optimistic science fiction. Mm-hmm. And all, I, all they have to do is just write five pages of uh, uh, short film script and then submit it. So this year I'm doing it a little bit different. So last year we, I did it uh, just like a normal contest where uh, you submit your uh, script and at the end of it um, I choose a winner. This year I'm going to be doing it so every month. Uh, whoever submits it during that month, I'll choose a finalist. Uh, and then at the end of it, which is nine months from now, there'll be nine finalists and there'll be a panel of judges right. uh, where um, they choose the, you know, several winners where they give um, prizes and whatnot. And it's, they're usually cash prizes. And the, and the main aim of it is that that cash prize will help the, the winners to make their short film. That's good. So the whole point of it is to encourage people to make short films, optimistic sci-fi short films. Yeah. yeah. And then, then it has a home in yep. your channel. Yep, yep, yep. So it's up to the filmmakers if they want to submit it to the uh, SFC Films uh, website. Yeah, it's got a home, like you said. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, so this is the nerdy, geeky section of the podcast. Uh, um, we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about Star Trek because all three of us are... Nerds. Yeah, Nerds. <laughs> when it comes to Star Trek. Um, and there's one particular thing that I really want to do, and I know it connects beautifully with with the optimistic sci-fi s- s- sort of discussion. Um, and I want I want to sort of put it towards uh, the Voyager series and the morality <laughs> of Captain Janeway. Um, there is something that I personally... Um, admire so much about Captain Janeway in the way that she conducted herself across the entirety of that series as, as, a, as I guess, you know, an inspiration of humanity. Um, you know, and, and I mean, for those who have zero idea what Star Trek Voyager is about, you know, it, there is a starship that is lost Next in space. space. Yes, <laughs> starship lost in space. And she is a captain who has to unite the people on her ship as well as you know, the all the different sort of races she meets. And, and she dates holograms. Oh, and she dates a hologram too, yeah. Which <laughs> which we, you know, if we've got time, we can explore a little bit of that. The thing, the thing that is, like, everywhere she went, she was so determined not to start a fight. And she got into fights, but she always had to find, like, it was her stubbornness of, I have to find a diplomatic solution. What would you say... I mean, obviously, that's all, like that's directly to that connects to the optimistic sci-fi that you're talking about. Um, what you know? What are your thoughts on Jeremy? What 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 do you think she could she have done anything different? Because I mean, let's talk about it. is is Janeway the best Star Trek captain? I, I think she was. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. Cisco. The, the, dis- the Cisco. decisions that she made. <laughs> Stop it, Russell. <laughs> but the decisions she made were very tough. Yeah. Stranding her own crew to save uh, a species that she didn't know. Yep. Uh, I think that takes guts. Yep. Um, I, I, so I, I think she, she's a brilliant captain. Yeah. Um, 
and um, and the intent uh, at least I don't think the initial intent was to make her a muscly you know action flick chick you know yeah um, which in some episodes they tried to but like the strength of Captain there, there was that one episode yeah yeah there was one episode <laughs> where they tried to make her uh, the aliens uh, episode where it's just like okay yeah. time to take the shirt off yeah. oh yeah Did she it? did the whole Ripley thing yeah, around yeah the, the ship. whole Ripley yeah yeah <laughs> um, but yeah no that her strength was a basically head yeah she was thinking with a head brain. Uh, and obviously with a heart as well. She's the first captain, Star Trek captain that I that I know that hugged her own crew. No other captain in any of the other series hugged the crew. Yeah. Well, Kirk. But Think about that for a second. Well, Kirk. We can't really talk hug. about that. You know. Well, Kirk yeah. didn't hug. He did more than. He hug. hugged a few Yeomans. Yeah, yeah. No, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. It's more. No, no, you know, Comforting her uh, crew. Yeah. Uh, with a hug, it w- there was something like I mean, obviously she was the mother. She was, yep. you know, that that. But there was she embodied what I felt was um, what we strive for as humans. She like I, I know I know Russell has he's mentioned it that Cisco is the best. Cisco, and, and I'm not I, I don't disagree, but I disagree. Because there's something about Cisco that that was a quick turnabout. <laughs> well, I, I agree how good he is, Russell. I, you're not wrong, but you're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I, I agree that he um, his ideals are strong, but there he's is space Jesus. Yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's where it loses me anyway. But but yeah, Russell, tell tell me why Cisco? Why Cisco is the best Star Trek captain? Because he won the Dominion War, and he started it. But no one's perfect. Yeah, yeah. That's my whole argument. Yeah, come on, you can do better. He's space Jesus. <laughs> so can we disagree with Russell? Of course. No, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> None of this way. Well, I please mean, come on by. Is, see you later. I mean, he, he is editing this, so yeah, he can cut out all the good <laughs> But no. Don't cut this bit out, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, so what I, I love um, Captain Cisco. This is the difference between Cisco and Janeway. Yep. Janeway never compromised the principles, whereas Cisco did. Agreed. Several times. Agreed. I'm up mm. to that part in the series right now. Yeah. He's had to. There was. There was uh, particularly during the Dominion War. Yeah. There was. A, there was a whole episode where he had to. Brilliant episode. It yeah. was. Yeah. One of my favorite. And he in just the pale moonlight. He had to to analyze his own behavior as a war leader. Yeah. Basically. And can, can I take the hit for the team? Go I for think it. I can live with it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I think about it. I guess the interesting thing is, would I love Cisco as much as I do if I didn't love DS9 as much as I love DS9? Because DS9 was just this wonderfully complex story of wonderful characters. Uh, a show that just sort of had to develop the characters. Where, you know, next generation or Voyager can just fly off to another planet. And, and this is why I, I agree with you as well, Russell. Because the what... What Deep Space Nine does do is that it just opens up so much diverse stories and questions and ideas. And to me, I mean, it's the first time Star Trek really dealt with the fact that the, the women in Starfleet, you know, actually have stories and feelings and like it. what they weren't just... Kirk fodder, you know. Um, well, they did that in TNG. Can we get a? Um, it was a struggle. I mean, come on. Like, did you say just, fodder? Uh, yeah, fodder. Okay. Yeah, just, just checking. Because that's kind of what it, what they were. Which, 
Uh, look, I would argue as well TNG didn't get it right. I mean, Beverly, great character, but she never really got a good storyline. Okay. Let's, yeah. uh, let's talk about Next Generation for a second. Troy the amount of was, times we saw Riker's crotch. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and you can argue I have absolute adoration for Picard. Mm-hmm. As, as I mean, but I think it's more Patrick Stewart love than it is Picard love. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that. And so... Picard, the, uh, the Frenchman played by a Scottish actor with a British accent. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> Who works in I, space? I was thinking the same. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> why does a British guy? I mean, sorry. What is a French guy? He's got a British accent. <laughs> it's the same thing. I am kind of curious about when it comes to Star Trek is yeah. where there's a lot of I guess division now with like Star Trek Discovery yep. and how it has changed. Does it still ring true to Gene Roddenberry's vision for you, the new series? Uh, some parts of it, yes, um, but I think their attempt was to replicate was what Marvel did with the um, with their comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so they tried to make Star Trek into an uh, more of an action-adventure yeah. type of thing, which at its core, Star Trek wasn't. So yep. th- and this is just my opinion. And I think they're kind of backtracking now with Picard. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I think. Yeah, that'd be int- very interesting series, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, but I think the core of it is still in Gene Roddenberry's vision. Um, they just have a lot of, uh, you know, pew, 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 pew. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which wasn't, wasn't the core of Star Trek. Yes, it had those things uh, as a, what do you call it, as a, as a kind of a candy yep. to attract people. Uh, but the core message was always peace and unity. Yep. Which is what connects with me. What I've taken away from Voyager is that... Um, when we follow uh, uh, our, like our convictions, when we we stick to what we believe in, and that we know there are good concepts and good ideas, we will succeed. I, I, I think that's what I really got out of Voyager. Um, you know, every time there was this thing that came in Janeway's uh, path, she blew it up. Well, no, she didn't. That's the thing. She didn't. She she with diplomacy. She found ways to say, no, this is not who we are. It doesn't matter what other people are or what they try to be or what they force upon us. Uh, she said, we have to follow, no matter what, all the way to home. And that's, I think, where I feel most influenced by Janeway as a captain. Thoughts? Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I mean, there are some episodes where that she, she does blow stuff up, but I think more that's more of pressure from executives going, yeah, let's just blow stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, make it more interesting. But yeah, no, yeah, the writers did a good job with um, with basically all the characters in Voyager. Uh, even Seven of Nine was a really interesting character, but she grew into a really um, fascinating character. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The, 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 the choices that she made... And this is very apparent with the um, episodes Equinox, where two ships from Starfleet going through the same uh, experiences, but the difference part they take, what a difference it was. One totally um, uh, abandoned their principles and basically became, uh, you know, criminals. And the other, you know, they stuck to their principles and... They're much better off. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think, yeah, absolutely. You nailed it on the head. Why didn't Captain Janeway ever promote Harry? 
That's a good question. <laughs> seven years on that seven bridge. Years. Ensign Kim. Well, he did become the captain in the end. Oh, boo. <laughs> After That's 50 in years. In an aborted timeline. <laughs> I blame riders. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, Russell's fault. Riders. Yeah. No, yeah, that's that's an. Which one of us has the writing degree? Ah, uh, that's me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's how I know to blame the writers. Yeah, no, the, I think Harry Kim was a, a very underestimated character. Well, they, I they, actually they didn't, they didn't do much with. I him. was surprised at how much that show focused on Harry Kim's sex life. I was shocked. Yeah, he did get a lot. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, like it, it was a running joke. He always... Oh, with the twin sisters. Well, the, the entire race of women, yeah. the entire planet of women planet that kidnapped women. him because, yeah, right. you know, he's good breeding stock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I was just, yeah, I was just quite surprised by how he kept bringing it up and yeah. it was, yeah, a running joke. It only kind of really connected well, once you watched all of them back to back over a period yeah. of time that you went, oh my God. He was a clarinet player and one time at band camp. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. But Thank you. talking seriously, I wonder how much of that is, I guess, industry's lack of capability to bring in diverse diversity into their shows. Mm. Um, so Harry Kim, I think, was he the second or the third Asian character in Star Trek? Well, I mean, if second. He, he was, second. He was technically third. Okay, so you've got yeah, Sulu, yeah. Yeah. and then you've got Miles O'Brien's wife, uh, Keiko. 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 And yeah. then, then Which were Kim. both actually minor parts. Yeah, well, technically right. technic yeah. fourth if you include the Whereas daughter Harry, as well. Harry Kim was a major. Yeah. Major um, you know what I believe happened with Kim? And that, yeah. and I think it's, again, it's a, an interesting topic to, to sort of add as, you know, we're, we're talking about producing and working in the industry and trying to, trying to understand ourselves a bit. But um, yeah. right now, when the ratings were l- dropping a bit in ep- uh, season two and three, and they were talking about revitalising the show... Um, there, there was rumours that Harry Kim was going to get dropped from the show. Mm-hmm. They were going to kill him off. Um, but then what happened was that the actor got nominated in the top 100... Um, sexiest... Sexiest... People, yeah. People in the world. Okay. And that's exactly when the character started getting a bit more of that storyline <laughs> following on. And so he didn't get dropped from the show. Yeah. And it was Kes's character, so that could make way for yeah. Seven of Nine. Well, what is your dream project that you would love to be able to bring together that obviously is optimistic sci-fi? Um, real projects or like something uh, ultimate? <laughs> well, I mean, what? both. Like what, what is a project that, you know, yeah. that you aspire towards? Okay. Um, so I haven't announced this yet, but uh, I'm working on a feature film, which I'm hoping to start doing pre-production either this year or next year, um, called Explorers. So this is a, a kind of a, a low-budget film that I'm going to do, and hopefully it evolves into a, a series of films uh, that basically explores uh, generational ships going into space and exploring other galaxies and this mm-hmm. and that. Uh, so that would be interesting. So um, more on that later. So that's, that's one thing that I'm going to be focusing on this year. Um, the ultimate project is um, obviously... Uh, Hopefully, I can start off a collaborative uh, project um, where we do anthologies of optimistic sci-fi. So, uh, you know, like um, Twilight Zone, um, Outer Limits and whatnot. And we uh, we get a story from every part of the world. So one week we do 
say from a story from India, we do one story from Britain, one from US, uh, all revolving around optimistic sci-fi. So that that'll be my ultimate project, which um, yeah, fingers crossed will happen. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, how can people get involved in spacefaring civilization and as well as with Unity? At the moment, the easiest way for people to get involved, if they've got an optimistic sci-fi um, that they're working on or they've worked on and produced, uh, just announce it on the Facebook group. Uh, join the Facebook group, obviously. Um, announce it um, and get the conversation started. So the more people get involved and the more we grow the community, uh, the more we can do. So th- that's the whole point of the whole um, initiative is that uh, collaboration, working together and things like that. Um, and, if, and if people like have... Uh, a finished uh, short film already and they've done the festival rounds uh, and they've got it on a YouTube channel um, consider submitting it to SFC Films as well uh, so there's two ways one is to get you know um, interactive with the community through the Facebook group uh, and the space group is called Space Spacefaring Civilization so um, if people just um, google it or do a Facebook search um, and if the people go to sfcfilms.com uh, there is a section for filmmakers where it will give you all the instructions on how to submit your film. Well, Masood, thank you for joining us this week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's thank a you. pleasure to listen to you talk and tell you, you know, your, your love and interest in sci-fi and um, I look forward to our next collaboration when, when we can get to that. Um, but yeah. Man in the Moon Part 2. Man in the Moon Part 2. <laughs> part two. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much, guys. Um, I wish you guys all the success. This is a brilliant... Uh, uh, podcast and uh, yeah, and no, I hope more people uh, definitely listen to it. Thank you. Thank you. Once again, a massive thank you to Masood for joining us in the Film Rhapsody Studio. For more information about the spacefaring civilization and optimistic sci-fi, head over to Masood's website at sfcfilms.com. Next week on the show, Russell and I deck the holes and count down our top five Christmas movies. I'm Dan Sanguinetti and you've been listening to Film Rhapsody. Film Rhapsody is produced by Dan Sanguinetti and Russell Lee for Sanguinetti Media. Head to sanguinettimedia.com.au to subscribe to all our episodes. Oh, I didn't record it.